We're not a backpack company. We're, we're a community and a, and a real brand. The love and the respect for the brand runs deep and, and it runs two way. It's, it's us to them and, and them to us. Like we're friends. The whole GORUCK movement is about uh, a group, a tribe, building a community. You're listening to This Much I Know, the Siege Camp podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm really excited to have somebody I really admire in his ability to bring people together, build an amazing brand, and create a product that I love, but many others do as well. Welcome, Jason McCarthy. How are we doing, man? Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, so just a little bit of background about you for the listeners who, who may not know about you. You're the founder and CEO of GORUCK. Now, you've served in the Special Forces after 9-11. I've, I've heard the the Glorious Professionals podcast. If you have not subscribed to that podcast, listeners, please do so. You can hear the story from him directly. Um, and he founded Agoruk in West Africa in an, with a with a napkin sketch for his wife uh, when she was, you know, being posted over there. And he was trying to figure out a way of of getting her something that would be functional for her needs. Then, and so, you know, he's built a company based on that original prototype, and now it is where it is today with an amazing community of not only <laughs> great products, but also people who really love to come together because of what they enable to do. So, I mean, that's like a very brief summary, but maybe Jason, from there, you can you can share what, what GORUCK means to you and, and how would you summarize what it represents today as a company? Yeah. So, I mean, GORUCK to me represents a way that I'm able to give back to America what I feel I owe, right? So, I I was fortunate to, to serve in, in the army after 9-11 because of 9-11. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the, the underpinnings of our country through the people that I served with. And it was just a really rewarding line of profession. And so what GORUCK was is, is as I was transitioning out, the transition is, is difficult to go from something like that to you know, civilian life. And it just became this bridge that I was walking across, you know, one problem at a time, really. Because what people don't mind hardship, they mind kind of lack of meaning and purpose. And I think this gets confused a lot in our day and age is like, you're supposed to be able to buy your way through this or that, or this is going to make your life easy. And this is coming at us all day long. It's hard to kind of see the forest through the trees. And, and, and so, it was a time in my life where I, I just, I needed mission and purpose. I'd gotten out of the, the army. I was going through divorce. Um, I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch. I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd lost kind of the, the camaraderie of, of the teams and stuff like that. And so GORUCK was, uh, it started out as this thing to do, and it's ended up being this way that I'm able to give back that our, the rest of our special forces cadre are able to give back and feel like we're making a difference. And so one of the things that really struck struck me about um, what you've built is that it's not just about the products. It's more, it's, it's about the people. It's about, as you were saying, it's about the purpose. It's about the mission. And, you know, one of the things that, that you've done really well from early days is, is building uh, people around the products and invented this, well, I mean, you didn't invent it, but you just, 
enabled people to think about something other than running, um, this idea of rucking and, and having been an extension of just being a backpack company is also being a fitness movement. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about how much you thought about that as something to enable people that maybe actually had never thought about a low, lower impact to running and how inclusive that sounds. Because I mean, I, I saw the movie, we're going to be talking about it briefly, the standard. And there is a different caliber of, of a performance there versus I think a lot of the other events. And how did you think about bringing that kind of audience into the GORUCK product line? There's, there's a lot to, to the answer in, in that. And the first off is that sometimes God just smiles on those he loves. You know, sometimes that means extra hardship. Sometimes that means, hey, here's this just manna from heaven type of solution. And so to start out, you know, how to marry up the products with an experience. Everybody wants to do that. Usually a company will go in and sponsor a fun run or what, take, take your pick, right? It's like, oh, look, our, our pizza goes with this run on Monday afternoons and, and that's what we're about, people and experiences. And, and like, that's cool, right? You know, I didn't have that luxury because there was nothing. GoRuck was nothing. And I poured every dollar I had and then some into getting these prototypes and it just didn't work. And this is in 2010. I'm like, I got to do something else. So came up with the GoRuck challenge. And the GoRuck challenge is immediately where it literally became about the people to the marrow, down to the marrow inside my bones. Because there I was giving back through these physically demanding and challenging challenges, right? And, and so that was for a period of years, that was basically, I mean, Fight Club was alive and well, and it still is. It's just as a company grows, you, you, there was or is a tendency to take on more stuff as evolution. And, you know, we got to this point where we have the, these just really, really challenging events. I mean, you know, rucking is, by the way, just for those that don't know, just walking with weight on your back. It's, you can, you can do a 5k with 20 pounds, or it's literally the foundation of special forces training. You, you see a lot of videos on discovery channel, whatever. And you think it's, you know, getting smoked all night and flashlights in your faces and stuff like that. That's not it. It's just you and the weight on your back. And you've got to go for miles and find points and navigation because it, it tests your intestinal fortitude, you know, your ability to kind of persevere through a lot of that stuff. And so the, the questions became, you know, then we've got this, this really hard event. It's 48 hours. It's so aspirational. People would pay attention, but, but are like, is it working? Who knows? Right. I mean, how do you, what's the attribution model on some of this stuff? What, what's the attribution model on a billboard ad that you put on the highway? I mean, how do you do it? Right. Well, as marketing and businesses have, have evolved and everything is now digital, it's kind of like, well, I'm expected to have some attribution model to everything. Well, truth is, is we're kind of doing the stuff that we like and trying to figure out some of the messaging along the way, right? And so when you say, okay, rucking is accessible to all, we've been down that path. We have shown people it is out there and that helped. It helps start things in a way that people were already doing it. But when you give them some education, um, hey, start with 20 pounds, kind of scale it up a mile, two miles, five miles, 10 miles. We have pure rucking events now. You can ruck a 5K, you can ruck a 10K, you can ruck a 50 miler. No push ups, no, none of that stuff, just rucking. So it's taken us a while to kind of build an ecosystem around the, these various levels of how we bring people together 
and tie the product in and what the role of rucking is. But rucking as a specific thing was a conscious decision to educate our people and to gain kind of additional accessibility or, you know, how can we be an accessible brand as well? Because we have these things that are so hard. Can you be purely aspirational forever? And, you know, we don't have the answers all perfectly, you know, tied up and and wrapped up all neat under the tree by any stretch of the imagination. And part of it is just what's working for people. Are we providing the value that we need to want to and can to the people out there? And so it's always been a conversation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Actually, one uh, it's a funny anecdote. Um, when I first discovered your product, I mean, for, for obviously who, the people who follow this podcast know that I live in London and therefore, you know, the penetration of Gorak products over in Europe isn't as, as, as dense as it is in the States. But um, I was looking for a backpack that sort of suited my traveling needs. And, and I came upon yours from a recommendation from a friend. And I was going through the website and I was going through the videos that showed um, kind of how to use it. And you were talking about the GR1. And one of the funny things, I think, if I remember correctly, there's a video where you were talking about a beer koozie. And what I found really funny was that you said, always pack two, one for you and one for your friend. And if you don't have a friend, make one. And I was like, (laughs) I love how this guy channels building relationships because the whole GORUCK movement, the whole event side of things is about uh, a group, a tribe, building a community. It's not simply around a product. And it was very authentic. It, It didn't feel, it felt like it was coming from you. It didn't feel like that coming from like some sort of commercial construct. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later, how much of it's tied to you. But one of the things that didn't surprise me was when I learned about the pillars that make up your company. And now, I don't know if you want to like talk a few of them or if you want me to read a few of them, but the, these pillars, I mean, you know, in tech, in tech startups, we, we usually call them values or company values. But, you know, these pillars seem to map with some of that collateral, like the marketing collateral that I saw. And I just wanted to, to understand how you understand them. How does the employees of GORUCK understand them? How, when you hire somebody, how do you indoctrinate them in that? How do you make hiring decisions and build a culture for the company around those pillars? Well, I mean, and I'll let you pick whatever you're most gravitate towards. But I mean, ultimately, as the leader, you're the standard bearer. And so you have to live the life. And when you don't, then people are living their life in the middle of the road, right? Which is a great place to get hit. It's the best place to get hit, right? Take a stand, do something, let something be the embodiment of, of who you are or what you are. And, you know, sometimes everything's not for everyone and you can't live your life like that. It's not authentic. And, and, and more than that, I mean, authentic is kind of a business word. It's not true. Like you won't be happy. So, Live the life that you you want to lead and and try to get people to follow you. And look, there's lots of ways that I could message the life that I lead. I mean, I ruck four miles to work every day, and that's cool, right? It's not, you know, gripping content or anything, you know? <laughs> but if if that were more of the stuff that were interesting, then we can talk more about just rucking, or we can talk more about human performance at this extreme level. Uh, you know, I mean... It, it, this day and age, it's hard. You're competing with a lot. And so you've got to kind of make your own noise. The, the risk in marketing is that it, it devolves into to two things, porn and violence, right? And it's, it's lazy. That, that's desperation. When it's just graphic, every, it's like just, you know, how many, how many lights can you put on 
on a, on the building of your your company or whatever the case may be, and they go, always flash faster, and it's just you know. So you got to stay within you know what what's going to also make you happy, and and so you know the the values the, the the pillars are just extensions of the way of life that we've been leading, and we try to do it in a way where it's it's more memorable than just you know duty integrity you know all, all those stuff that you'll find in the office bathroom, but. Did you, you want did, people to kind of live them. Were these, were these, I mean, I, I don't know enough about special forces uh, values, but are, are these um, inspired by, by some of the stuff from your previous career? Or is this like entirely, did you think about these specific to a company you wanted to build, borrowing from them, but adding additionals? It's hard to stress how much of an impact my time in the army and in special forces has had. It's, it's hard to separate the two. And so you know, and then taking that way of life and applying it throughout so many events, leading so many people through these, these great and awesome experiences, it's a way to message that, those lessons, right? And you, like over the years and decade, you kind of see what people gravitate toward and, and you know, and what they, they don't maybe a little bit less, you kind of just sharpen your your, your tools. And so, you know, the purpose of, of communicating is you want it to matter to somebody. I mean, just yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like, that's about you and, and you need to create these connections. So, you know, mostly it's, it's, you know, a lot of those embrace the suck and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that comes from the military. Absolutely. Right. I mean, the force multiplication stuff, the, all that. And then there's, there's some that are a little bit more related to, you know, manifestations that have come about through through our business mm. yeah well you know i'd love to hear more we'll explore that a little bit more in, in terms of how your team enables you to do that and force multiply across all these different events but maybe moving on to your current projects um you know the brand has gone through a very interesting series of transitions and you you verbalize them both in terms of your in your podcast but also in terms of a blog post you wrote covering the state of goruk and it's actually probably one of the most transparent and eye-opening um, blog posts I've read from any company, not only stating kind of the lows, the highs, the numbers in a way that is way beyond, let's say, what a public company does many times. And uh, I just wanted to understand a little bit about, you know, the decision that you made as a private company to sort of um, be that public, especially in a, in a hyper-competitive um, world, especially when it comes to like, I mean, there's, there's tons of backpack companies, right. And, and I love, I love the title of your book because it kind of says just how not to start a backpack company, but you know, what, what the motivation was for being that, that transparent, what you were hoping to get from it and kind of what lessons that you would give to a, a founder is considering whether that level of transparency is appropriate for them. I mean, if you think about your life, who are the people that you trust the most and why? I mean, do you have an example? Your your, your parents, your yes, siblings, you, you know? Yes. I mean, I think everybody's got an example, right? Yeah. You trust them because they, you know, over time, they share things with you. It's not just the veneer of their Instagram posts. It's not, it's, it's a real connection that you make with other people. And to me, I'm not really interested in running a business or being associated with a business that I don't feel great about. Like... I can do lots of stuff in, in this life. And there's, I have lots of ways that I can serve America, serve our way of life, do these things that make me feel good at the end of the day. 
this happens to be one that I, I really believe in. That's why I'm doing it. It's You can't just flip a switch is what I'm getting at. Community building means you have to do things that build community. Community is based on trust and respect. You can't hire a community manager 10 years later and say, okay, build us trust and respect. It doesn't work like that. People are too smart for all these things about how stupid people are and all this stuff that you'll, you'll read about. Like people are really smart. You know, it's like, you know, oh, the wrong artist is popular and these songs suck and, and all this stuff or this. It's like, then you go do something that's so great. It's really hard to make these connections. And so, you know, State of Go Ruck was a natural evolution and been doing it for years now. It was just a natural evolution because, you know, in the early stages of the company, it was me leading so many events and then a few of us cadre and a few more, but the community is really tight and you feel like you owe. And that's a great feeling in life. I mean, if you're, you know, a mom, a dad, uh, someone you love that is in your life and you feel like you owe them, that's a really rewarding feeling. And so I just felt like I owed people a little bit more explanation for what we're doing and why. If, if, if you're like the private in the army who's way off on the side and doesn't know anything and eventually someone's like, just do it, Right. It doesn't build anything. You gotta, yeah, you gotta fight through it. The army's a little different, but you know, people out there in the universe, they they've got lots of things to to believe in, and they've got lots of distractions to prevent them from believing in things, which is probably more more relevant. So, what were the hopes and all these things? I mean, it's it's a continued process of I want to make sure that I believe with all my heart in what we're doing, and so the forcing function associated with okay, I'm going to force myself. I, I, I did the state of GORUCK one year and I'm like, I'm going to do this every year. Well, once you do it once, taking something away is really hard. You know, well, why didn't you do that? Right? You said you would. And I said I would, so I will. And, and so I just, I owe. I mean, you know, you, you say, oh, there's lots of backpack companies out there. Yeah, you're right. Th- there are. And we're, we're loved though. We're not a backpack company. We're, we're a community and a, and a real brand and people love us. Like lots of backpack companies create lots of disposable stuff. Go drive by a landfill sometime. There's lots of them in there, right? Our stuff doesn't work like that. And it's not just because it's about the things it's because the, the love and the respect for the brand runs deep and, and it runs two way. It's, it's us to them and, and them to us. Like we're friends, yeah. you know, that's how community operates. And so we operate like a, like a community. Mm. And, you know, it's, I think part of the reason why this particular state of GORUCK stood out is partially because of what's happened with COVID, right? And the impact and the decisions and the product decisions. But I mean, your answer totally, totally nails it. And one of the things that you brought up uh, during that, that um, state of GORUCK was the launch of GORUCK Media and sort of the impact, you know, now, now that I've heard you kind of explain a little bit more the impact that that would have on reaching out to your friends, reaching out to your community. And maybe you can just talk about some of those new projects. Here in the UK, we don't have them yet, but maybe in the new year, I think we will be. I was lucky enough by the time that this goes to to publishing, I have watched the movie The Standard, which I found very, very inspiring, but is actually very eye-opening a little bit into sort of community aspirations and, and sort of the, the term in the movie, The Standard, actually helps you really think and conceptualize what it is that you guys want to represent. And maybe you can just walk us through each one of these projects and kind of what they mean to you. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of reactions to the to the pandemic. There was the either it's I mean, it's classic fight or flight, and we choose to fight. 
And so for us, it meant we had to shed some stuff, but it allowed us to focus on really our roots, the special forces way of life, which is a mindset. You know, you think it's push-ups and all that stuff. It's it's not. It's a mindset. And it's just adaptability and problem solving and community building and and serving others. And so it's like I had wanted to do a really professional kind of podcast for a while, bring on real guests and, and dedicate time to it because I'm interested in that. If if someone comes on, it's because I really want to know their story and talk to them and hear about it. And you know, we just had a no, no one ever has enough time and everyone's so busy and that's always kind of the, just the default and whatever. And it's like, let's just do it. You know? So we, we just did it. And, you know, we had had some aspirations for more of them this year. And then, you know what, the producer gets COVID and she's really sick and it slows things down a bunch. You just adapt. She's doing better, but you just adapt. Right. And so we don't have as many out this year. I think we're at, I don't know, episode 20 something so far. Um, that's all this year, you know, and it's been, it's been fun and rewarding. I hope people get some value out of it. If they get more value, we'll probably do more. If they don't, we'll probably, you know, we'll, we'll do it as targets of opportunity. That's cool. It's cool cool for us. If someone we really want to talk to and they, they'll come, now we have a platform, right? If you don't have a platform, you, hey, you want to bullshit over beers? It just doesn't work, right? So here's our platform. We have serious hosts that, you know, we do our research, we read the books, we read the articles because we're really interested and curious. And this is kind of the, the poet side of warrior poet, which is the avatar that we, we seek in, in special forces. It's not just the warrior, it's the warrior poet. And so that was the podcast. And then the book came about, you know, how not to start a backpack company. I had been working on a lot of books over the years and I just couldn't have, I couldn't find the ending to some of them. And, you know, this one just kind of emerged magically. The, Book into some of the earlier conversation is the divorce I was going through that that finalized, but I got remarried to the same wife. She was in the CIA. She's the one that got me to start Go Ruck. You should do the Go Ruck thing was was her quote. And we got back together. We have a family now. Life's great. And she came across this journal that I'd done in the summer of 2010 when I was driving around the, the country with the dog that we were fighting over who was going to get to keep. And thankfully, she gave him to me because I needed him more than she did you know, her words as well. And she found this old journal now and read it all and was like, Hey, make this, I know you've wanted to do something. This is, this is, this will work because it's just this tour of America, meet people, get into adventures, focus on other people, the just salt of the earth stuff, but just all the stuff that's close to home. And so during, wasn't ever really a complete lockdown in Florida, but it was, it was dicey like everywhere. You know, I was coming into work at four in the morning because uh, you know nobody else was here. And then I'd work on this book for a while because I needed to bookend it and provide a lot of context and a lot of photos and, and all this stuff. There was it was real work as well. It wasn't just, oh, here's my journal. And 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 so you know that was just all this time. And I that was that's my memory though is is rucking in at four in the morning and working until the brain kind of shuts off the creativity and then it's time to focus on the more menial tasks. That's how that's how my brain works anyway. And so this was kind of the byproduct of, of that. And it was, you know, it, it was really fun. It was really rewarding. And I learned how to do it. And that, that was kind of part of it, which is, it's a bit of a calling card, you yeah. know, Hey, have this thing. It was not, I'd, I'd met people in, in high towers about it's gotta be this and it's gotta be that. And I'm like, maybe some book down the line, but I, this, this one's for me. And it's a really personal book, really personal. And, you know, I, again, I just, 
I think that trust is built by sharing those because too many people out there think that life is going to be easy and they hope for that. And hoping for an easy life is a really dangerous thing to your own sanity and to your own happiness because it's not going to be easy. But you might you can you can build up the strength so that it's you can you can handle it and you and, and you can deal with it. And so hey, a lot of lot of exposed me in in the book, which is, you know, it's liberating in a sense. And that was a fun project. And then you know, we started some daily training stuff through one of the cadre and it was just, Hey, this is how you live the way of life with really simple garage gym, sandbag and rucksack. This is how you apply. You don't need a gym membership. You don't need any of that stuff. You can, you can do this. We can show you how, you know, and in these projects, you know, the, the movie came about almost accidentally as well. The documentary, the, the standard, you know, Phil wall, who's a, who's a, great storyteller came and filmed this, this class. And it was just pure magic a few years ago. And we had intended it to come out with a five minute video. And we all just kind of had that feeling that it could be more. So he just kept editing, but he, he started out with, okay, here's shorter. And it just, Hey, here's a 20 minute deal, right? Sometimes you gotta, you gotta take those chances in life. Here's what it looks like at 20 minutes. And he didn't like more. You know, and so it just kind of evolved from there. But that process took took some years, and then we had to find a distribution partner, and then these things turn into business things, and that stuff's never fun. Like, you know, the ideas and and the creativity and all of that stuff. That stuff's really fun, but then you have to actually do the work to, uh, around it. So, so we did all of that. Though is the point, and we've stamped our name on a lot of stuff, and and that's been really rewarding. So sometimes, you know be the change you want to see in the world. I think that's a Gandhi quote. It's like, look, if you're waiting on some perfect invitation, the world does not care. If you start a company, write a book, do whatever, you have to make them care. And more importantly than that, you have to really want to do it. And if you really want to do something, then just do it, man. Right? Just get going and sign your name to it and see what comes. Give it your best shot. I think one of the things I really loved in the movie, and this hopefully won't be a spoiler for those that haven't watched it, is how you guys nail the moment that you can visualize what a mindset, what can do to somebody's outcome. What, like it's, it's rare that you get a, a moment of visibility into somebody choosing to quit and choosing to feel sorry for their circumstances versus, and I think this was a quote you did in the movie. It was like, lying to yourself, but you have to be able to believe it. It's like knowing when suffering is just the suffering, but that the long-term gain of that suffering is worth the effort. And it was, it, I think it was brilliant in highlighting that moment in a way that I had never seen it in someone's face before. And, uh, and, and, and it was a very bold move as well, because you know one of the things that I've been given uh, and, and I've seen many times is brands that create a love and hate response are the ones that really stand out. And that movie, I would love to hear what, what reception has had in the States or, or what kind of feedback you've received, because I could see for a bunch of people, it would be an absolute love. And I'm one of the fans, loved it. But I could see where there's a whole bunch of people who would probably hate it for a variety of reasons. And, and that was like a, a calculated risk on your part. And I'm just curious as to how you guys managed that and whether you care, maybe, maybe you didn't care. No risk. Brilliant. There's there's no risk in this. I mean, my, my take is is that it's 
it's not only raw and authentic, but it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's, it's well shot. It's well told. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it, it meets that warrior poet avatar that, that we're seeking. And, and so, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't heard one note of hate. I mean, the only thing that, the, the new form of hatred is, is just ignoring something. And so, you know, how to kind of, how to kind of get it out there even more. I mean, I, I think this thing's going to be a cult classic. So it's, it's like, it didn't have, you know, the huge billion dollar budget on promoting it to get out to, to, to all 12 corners of the universe or whatever. So it's a little bit word of mouth and, you know, the response that, that I've seen has been, been awesome. And yeah. I mean, most importantly, like we're proud of it. And by we, I mean the people inside of GORUCK, but you know, we have a higher, a higher calling than, than just the, you know, our business per se, which is, you know, the special forces community, like we exist to honor that way of life. We, we represent it and we take that very seriously because we, we believe that we need a a bridge of communication between the military and civilian worlds. So it's a very fine line to walk between telling stories in a way that is intimately wrapped in with special forces, but not alienating the actual community that's doing the special forces stuff. And so that comes through validation of the cadre who have been here that have that background and that who serve our mission at GORUCK of building better Americans through, through our events and such. And so, you know, it's, it's a testament to like, their reputations in the community that we, we have a good reputation in that community. And, and I say all that, and I keep coming back to it because it's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not something that the SF community gets behind, then we just, we're just not going to do it. We're not going to, we're, we're, we're not willing to be the jester, right? Like the, the, the court with the king and the judge and all of this stuff, you know, the, 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 community, the community gathering, fine, great, all of that. But we're not rolling in with, you know, tutus on singing special forces songs to try to sell something. I'm just not willing to do that ever. Mm. So, you know, we've been touching around all these decisions and trade-offs and, and, and fine lines that you've played in building out this community. And it's been really, really inspiring to see both in the movie and also in the, in the podcast and in the blog posts, but let's now delve deeper into the actual community sort of advice that you have. Um, A lot of our listeners are tech entrepreneurs. They don't have an SF background. And in many cases, they're just building out their brands early days and they're trying to get their head around this idea of a community. And, you know, you talked a, r- a little bit already that you you thought about the community first and the products enable it, but how would you create a cadre if you were a software product developer? How would you go about building that? And and maybe it's useful to define uh, cadre for those that are not American, probably have not heard the word before, but it's, it's like- It's a French word, man. Aren't you guys, you know, come on, Right. You guys are right next door. Right, right next door. Old buddies, sometimes adversaries, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it just means instructor or, you know, I guess, you know, leader, you know, yeah. something like that within a military sense. Yeah. I mean, how would, how would you, if, if you had to go back early days and think about all the attributes that help you build that early community, how would you well, do that if it weren't 
intrinsically tied to the to the the physicality of it if you were a software product as such well i mean it's the rel- the relentless pursuit of excellence cuts across everything I would just say not to compromise standards early because that becomes who you are then. And for for this specific company, I mean, we we just leveraged people who were already trained, right? They're already been in special forces. And then we had to kind of train them up a little bit, adapt their their way of messaging or communicating to the blueprint that they would kind of follow, but also provide their their own guidance and feedback to the classes, et cetera. You know, I mean, I think the bigger question is, you know, how do you create a positive culture? I mean, first off, you have to be kind of authentic to who you are. And if if you want to be a middle of the road kind of software company, then hire middle of the road people. That, that'll work. But if you want to be really excellent, then you have to accept that people are kind of everything in this equation and you have to find the best. And be very careful about stop gaps because you hire someone and then it's people don't leave very easily. Right. And, and so, and I say that to say like, you don't want to get rid of people. That's not the job, the goal. Once you hire somebody, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a promise. It's a, Hey, if this is a two way street, but I hope you work here forever. That's, that's what I think when, when we hire someone. And so, you know, you, you hire against your culture and you kind of get more, the culture evolves and the culture gets stronger if you're doing it right, because it becomes more clear. That's kind of the the best way to, to look at it. But the other stuff is just, you know, community side of it internal is you, you've got to make it about more than just dollars and cents. And you got to make it more than just about lines of code or mm. about the work itself. You've got to ask people how they're doing. You've got to get to know their, their families and stuff. I mean, you know, you, we, we live in a society of, of privacy and individualism, and, and I believe in our rights to do that and stuff, but there's some damage that comes of that, you know? Not knowing the, like you live in a, you know, a walk up in New York for 10 years and you don't know your, your neighbor next to you, literally. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, what? You think about that in a historical context, it's absurd. And so, you know, don't take that to work. Like, this has to be your tribe. This has to be your community. You've got to get to know these people. And, you know, you spend so much of your time at work. Make sure it's a mission that you, you want to be a part of. And those are decisions that people make and, and better leaders will make it more inviting for, for people that are seeking that kind of stuff. And if you want to be successful, you'll find people that are seeking something higher than themselves and, and a, a mission that they believe in where they can apply their skills. How do you balance the tone? You know, we, we talked about this a little bit, and I know that movie sets one one bookend of the community, and then you have the the sort of 5K events on the bookend of, on the other bookend of the community. But how do you balance the brand's tone so that isn't too hyper concentrated for one community member set, uh, let's say like the hardcore group, but can extend to a broader audience and without feeling like it's no longer true to its roots? And also being inclusive of them and, and being a broader reach. And you know, most brands, most startup brands have to pick a customer focus as a as an early beachhead, but then you know they eventually want to branch out because that's how you grow a business. So how do you how did you manage that that trade-off? Well, I mean, we had a three-hour meeting today about how we're managing that trade-off, you know, because the company has evolved. It's it's difficult, is how. And so I guess for us. The big thing that comes to mind that differentiated is differentiated is you know we we sell gear 
right? So that's where the bulk of our revenue comes from, the overwhelming bulk of our revenue. And so, you know, does it help you sell gear to be more extreme in how you're training with that gear? Like, does it, you know, I mean, because look, you put something out, use social media as a filter. If you put something out, it's like, you know, two people walking down a sidewalk rucking and, and you've got something kitschy to say about it. I mean, nothing's going to happen to that. That's middle of the road, milk toast stuff, right? You basically might as well not even do it. And because you're just spending so much time. And so for us, it's, we're, we're taking a harder pivot toward the more aggressive side of the, the way of life, like train a little bit harder, you know, fight back a little bit more, right? Don't, don't ask for an easier life, develop stronger shoulders and backs, you know, like, like get, like seek pain, stuff like that. But, but it's couched for us to make it authentic and actually, because I don't want to become a caricature, right? Like, oh, I'm just the dude that says, you know, embrace the stuck and seek pain and stuff. And you just become a caricature and it's probably easier for people to digest. I think there's probably a lot more money, frankly, if we just went so far over the top with that. But it's not as interesting to me. And I don't, I don't want to do that. What I do want to do though is look, I got to switch. I was in special forces. I got to, I got to switch, you know, when it's time to switch it on, it's time to switch it on. And I think that the the country and in the world needs a little bit more of that now, right? Everybody is kind of, there's just a lot of fear out there and the, the world's a little bit shell-shocked and, you know, it's like life has risk, man, and we're all going to die. You know, your name's in a book somewhere. It doesn't mean go do stupid stuff, wear a mask, do all these things, Right socially distanced, don't crowd yourselves inside, you know, small confined spaces, but go outside, exercise, right? Take care of yourself. You need to do these things or else you're going to die of stress and fear. Stress is positively correlated to every single death on the planet almost, <laughs> right? Like if you get a disease, if you get an illness, if you get sick and you're stressed out, it is terrible for the prognosis. It will prolong itself. It's just these are, these are just facts, you know? And, and so it, it's one of those things where I think that we need to take a little bit sharper edge. And I think it will also help us cut through some of the, the noise that's out there because it is hard to kind of get any attention or awareness or however, whatever the word is that you want to look at. So, you know, and yet we have a community of people out there that will help us, you know, at the community level. It's like, Hey, show up for this Ruck on Wednesday night, you know, we're going to, we're going to go do for about an hour and then we're going to go drink some beers, right? There are champions to those people to bring them into the community. So it's, there, there's a layered approach, if you will, but us, you know, if, if every day, all we talked about was, Hey, we're meeting up Wednesday at 5 PM, we're going to do, you know, a four mile ruck. It's just not that interesting. And so it's, it's a really meaningful life. And therein lies the contradiction. Because people talk about stuff, but this is what actually works. And so yet, I think that you need to have these big challenges. And I think that we can serve to equip, challenge, and inspire people to, to rock up, join the community, and embrace the suck. Yeah. If, if you look back at all the years that you've been operating, um, putting aside product or hiring or anything like that, but specifically when it comes to community, 
What are the biggest mistakes that sort of come to mind that you're like, oh man, fuck, I wish I hadn't done that. I mean, we all learn from them, but you know, ones where you look back and you're like, okay, I learned my lesson, but you know. We tacked too hard to the middle. We, we went too hard, too fast and tried to get a broader array of people too soon. So we start, we came out with a big event series, I don't know, five years or so ago now. It was, it was a 5K series and we would run out golf courses or whatever the case may be. Cause I was like, rucking is the way, you know, this is the way. And it is, by the way. I mean, if you're <laughs> like need to be more active and think that running sucks or your body hates running, like you don't need to be good at running to lead a productive, healthy life. You, you need to be more active and rucking is a way to do that. And I could talk for a million hours on that. But the point is that this is the way the world was not ready for this. At least our people weren't ready to bring in new people on that yet. And, you know, I mean, I can sit and rationalize all this stuff and tell you how, you know, the guy that cured malaria did it 10 years before anybody told him he wasn't crazy and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I think that stuff's going to happen. I think when you look back and rucking is a thing, it will be the foundation will be what we and our team have have built here that, that will educate people as to why that matters. But it was just at a really high level, we we tacked to the center too too fast. Mm. Moving on to to you a little bit, um, you know, as I mentioned, I first discovered your brand and and I really enjoyed that video explaining you know, what, what you look for in, in the product and what, what you should look for. But what came across was you balance a level of hardness and humor. And that goes really well with the ethos of what you're trying to build. It's like, it's just one shy point before becoming insensitive, but at the same time, inspiring and humorous all at once, like a perfect triangle. And I could see where that becomes a really good anchor for a community who's really drawn to that. So there's a charisma and there's leadership and there's a community that corrals around that. And there's empathy. Empathy. And some companies, the, the leaders don't have those attributes and they want to build a community because they, they might have it, just can't articulate it as well as you can as both CEO, founder, and head of community. How do you recommend to somebody to either bring on somebody externally who can help them with that how do you manage the brand beyond you as the person who's leading it? How do you reconcile the two things where, you know, some companies have this desire to build what you've built, but don't have the intrinsic charisma you have? What, what, what advice would you give them? I mean, it's like, look, there's, there's a billion businesses out there that are better businesses than we are, you know? And, and so, you know, that are led by people that are, don't have the same charisma or the same background or, or whatever. I mean, I think ultimately what I'm, what I'm saying is, is don't want to be like somebody else. It's not going to work. You, you, like you need to, you need to find what makes you special and you need to do more of that. And as if you keep doing that and ground and you're grounded with good products or some, some big value that you're, you're able to provide others you know, you can, you can find somebody around you who can help message stuff. You can, you can find these things that these people, then you have to empower them. That's the tricky part, right? I mean, you know, when you got the president and the press secretary and they're not exactly on the same page, you got big problems. It, it's kind of like that. And I mean, I see a lot of businesses out there and I take notes 
from, from a lot of them, but I can't be them. You know, I, I've tried several times to kind of do less and manage more. And every once in a while, this will suck me back in or whatever. I mean, the most challenging part is that it is a very, very thin line between how we're able to honor our roots in special forces and still be accessible to civilians. I can't stress enough how fine that line is. And so that's where I spend a ton of my time is on the voice. And sometimes we go a little too far this way and sometimes it's a little too far that way. But that's kind of my probably most most relevant value to our team internally, the thing that that I can kind of uniquely do, which is speak to all the cadre running our events and really driving our message out to to a lot of people out there and then turn around and go to to marketing and to you know the the rest of the company internally that most of the so a bunch of them have served but not in in special forces and it's kind of like how to build that bridge internally. And so we're not there yet with someone else inside of the company that can really run with that. We have had that for periods and then, you know, people evolve, people move on, these things happen. So it's it's a struggle is what I'm getting at. There's no silver bullet and leadership is not where you you press a button or you flip a light switch, you make a decision and you move on. You've got people that you're leading and those people are emotional creatures as we all are. We're not just robots. Things change, things evolve, and you have to adapt and evolve with them. That's the deal. When you care about your people and, and you all serve your mission, then that's fun. The, the evolution and the adaptation is fun. Yeah, no, it is fun. And, and evolution is, is exactly what I wanted to cover next, which is 2021. What's, what do you guys have uh, planned out? I got uh, in your newsletter, I got an email about some of your UK news, but also um, Gorak Tribe. So maybe just tell us like a little bit about what your ambitions and goals are for 2021. So we've really doubled down on our roots in special forces, the way of life. And, you know, what does that mean, right? So 2020, there's been a lot of, of pain. It's been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot of confusion. Right. And our reaction to that is to, to seek it head on, right? Like let's, let's face it head on and let's use this as an opportunity to get stronger, healthier, tighter community, stuff like that. Right. Where, you know, so let's look at it. I'll give you an example. Let's look at where can, where can we really make a difference, right? We want to inspire people to be more active. That, that also means healthier. Physically, socially, you pick it, right? All, all of it, spiritually. And, you know, if, if you're out there and you're leading a sedentary life, you're, you're working behind a screen from nine to five, and maybe you go home and you're, you're tired from being tired all day, and, you know, you're watching TV and you're, you're in the modern era. And so you're kind of not that connected to your neighbors. There's not a lot of activity. And I'm not judging. I, what I'm saying is that that is a too common thing that is out there and we need to break out from that. And maybe then you, you say, what, I'm going to turn on my fitness, my, my fitness cubicle of, of Peloton or whatever that I hate. Right. And I'm going to then stare at a screen for another hour 
and like move my arms and my legs a little bit. And it's torture, man. It's not fun. You're not going to do it. There's no accountability and you will quit. It is another fad. It's just, it might, this fad might be longer because we're so addicted to our phones and the marketers are swooping in on this whole virtual world deal with, with fitness. And that's how it's got to be. And COVID has really spread that, uh, accelerated that. So, you know, I believe in the real world. I believe in people doing real, real work in the real world. Right. And, and, and so we want, we want to encourage and, and promote that way of life. So go ruck tribe is it's a, it's a monthly thing. We issue a, a workout. Hey, here's some rucking stuff that you're going to do this month. Here's a, a book that here's, here's the reading list, you know, read this book this month and, you know, and you do it, you, you earn a patch for that month. Every, every month has a theme, right? The, the theme of January is seek pain, right? The theme of 2021 is seek pain. So the title track comes first this year, because look, I, this is one of those instances where I want to cut through some noise with this because, you know, the noise of, of, of Peloton and of Apple fitness and all this stuff, fitness shaming and new year's resolutions that don't work. They're all broken by January 17th. That's the date, right? It doesn't work. What does work is community. So we want to provide some, some baseline. Hey, join us. This is what we're doing. This is attainable. This is accessible. You get to pick the weight, right? You get to pick the whatever, but here, put this on your calendar. Like make it a, a milestone. You don't need a gym subscription. You don't need all these kinds of things. And the idea of seek pain is 2020 was pain on the world's terms. 2021, we fight back, right? We fight back by preparing ourselves a little bit more, getting a little bit stronger, seeking out challenges in life, right? Like do that stuff. Don't just, don't just soak your life through blue light. Right. It, it's, it's not, it's not a rewarding life. Get to know your neighbors. Go outside more. Be more active. Go, go let your curiosity take you somewhere, somewhere special. You never know who you're going to find there or what you're going to find. But what changes is in that kind of that, that switch that you flip is that you become that kind of person. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a silver bullet. Those don't exist. But if you're willing to just trust in, if you are more active, good stuff will happen. More rewarding stuff will happen because you'll, you'll see more people. You'll meet more people. You get into more adventures. I mean, I have yet to hear the story of someone who's, who, you know, on their deathbed is like, man, I, I should have spent more time alone. I should have, you know, done less for other people. I should have, you know, prioritized my health less. I, I just, I don't, I've, I've never heard of that kind of stuff. You know, and so we owe it to ourselves to lead an, a, a truly healthy life, not just you know what people are selling us as a healthy life, and and so much of that for us comes back to community and and your ability to kind of be part of our tribe and build your own tribe out where you are. Hmm. Those are wise words to end on. Thank you so much, Jason. I, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Pleasure. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>